You're listening to the SHL CHRO Chat Podcast, where our Chief Human Resources Officer, Carrie Ellison, leads conversations with other HR experts who are driving innovation through wise talent decisions. So welcome to the CHRO Chat Podcast. And today I have with me uh, David Blackburn, who's the Chief People Officer for Financial Services Compensation Scheme. And I thought I'd just pass over to you, David, very quickly, just to give us a couple of words about you and, and your background. Uh, thank you, Terry. Uh, my name, as you said, is David Blackburn. Uh, I have been at the Financial Services Compensation Scheme since 2013. We protect all regulated financial products in the UK. And since our launch in 2001, we've come to the aid of millions of customers and paid out billions in compensation. Thank you. And I'm going to slightly, I guess, embarrass you a little bit now because I'm going to just talk about the fact that I know that you are our most awarded HR professional in the UK. Um, and I know that, um, you know, it's a pleasure to be working with you and connected with you um, uh, around culture. And it's with that and that experience that's given you some of those awards that I'm really, really excited to talk to you about some of the culture things that you've done with um, FSCS. And um, so I wanted to just have our, our podcast have a little bit further around the last one we talked about was the psychological contract and what, why that's important. And then following on a little bit about culture and why culture is important and having you almost as our customer to just talk us through how easy or how hard it is to make that happen within an organization. So if you're comfortable, I'm going to start with a bit of a question. So why do you think more CEOs and heads of HR are all of a sudden talking about culture? Uh, Terry, it's really uh, timely that we're talking about uh, culture today. I read a headline only yesterday uh, relating to the great resignation that everyone is talking about at the moment yeah. and the, the battle for talent. And really interesting, a big piece of research in the United States said one of the principal reasons people are choosing to move on is toxic culture. Isn't that, I mean, that's so fascinating, but I think that culture as a, as a topic uh, certainly for HR professionals is not new. You know, we've been talking about the importance of building, you know, inclusive cultures where people feel that they truly belong and uh, can unlock their potential. But probably about, I think, you know, five, six years ago, you know, a Gartner study highlighted that, you know, for the first time, you know, the top five, top 10 things that CEOs were thinking about. And I think that's for a number of reasons why are people suddenly talking about it so one i've highlighted so the battle for talent what separates you as an organization what makes you as an employer an employer of choice why would you choose to go to a particular organization and what sets you apart secondly i think that culture what has changed in the world of brand identity is that you know the adage that you and i've talked about before is that Brand used to, if an organization is a glass box, brand used to be whatever the marketing professional sprayed on the outside. I yeah. think that now, actually, what your brand very often is, is what people are looking for, is it's a reflection of the internal culture of the organization. So actually, this is where organizations run sometimes into challenges when, you know, the, the, the picture you're presenting to your shareholders or to your customers doesn't look the same as the experience being lived by your colleagues. So I think uh, CEOs um, have woken up to that. And also, I think that, you know, culture is everything in an organization. It's, it's values, 
it's its reward strategy, it's its employee value proposition, it's the furniture you buy, the colors you paint on the walls. And so actually recognizing that building a distinctive culture is brings you commercial advantage. I think it's those three things that have really made CEOs go to their HR directors and their chief people officers. We need to do something about our culture. What are we doing about culture? It's fascinating, isn't it? Because you're right. There's so much more research since, the, especially in the last few months since COVID, right? And for some reason, we seem to be pinning down co- culture just to be about hybrid working or flexible working. That seems to be the latest thing. But but the statement you made there about bringing your best self to work is the piece that I think we're still missing in a lot of that research. And it's um, a shame that we're now pinning culture down to being just about how we flexibly work or hybrid work. Um, but I know for the last five years, you've had a quite a big journey, haven't you, um, around taking the organisation through that journey with your leaders. It's not just been you, it's been your leaders that have um, you know, really worked with you on that. Can you just talk me through, I guess, the, the mammoth task you started with? Uh, it, I mean, it has been a mammoth task. I mean, it's been a big uh, journey and, and very, you, Terry, you've heard me say this before, you know, your only question was about, you know, the CEOs recognising that culture is important. And then what yeah. they say is, you know, what are we doing about it? What are we going to do about it? And uh, as I've often said, the one thing you don't want to do is uh, have a culture change initiative because culture change isn't a programme. You don't, it's not something you do. You have to evolve your culture. My first um, observation is you've got to start somewhere. And I think that very often in organizations, they get, because as I said, you know, if, if we're saying that culture is everything, you know, people, it's that boil the ocean uh, situation that people go, I don't simply don't know where to start. And so they don't start, so they get stuck. It's too big a problem, it's too big a challenge. And uh, I am absolutely a passionate believer in the mantra of progress, not perfection. You have to start somewhere. So where do you start? So I think the first thing is you have to understand the culture as it is right now in your organization. And I started by asking, you know, a few um, really simple questions. You know, why is it so difficult to get things done? What things in our culture do we think are enablers? What makes our boat go faster? What helps us to do things? What unlocks potential? And what things are blockers? You know, what things make it difficult? So is it the layers of hierarchy? Is it the amount of bureaucracy? Is it a lack of trust? Is it values that people are not connected with and do not believe in? Um, is it the way in which we work? Is it process? Is it people? Is it technology? You know, and what we found um, is that, you know, we had one very, very strong enabler, and that is the organization's social purpose. The other word we hear a lot of, it's interesting, isn't it? Culture. Purpose is a word that has massively come to the forefront in the last two to three years. People want to work for organizations that have a strong purpose. And we're very lucky at the FSCS because we help people get back on track when their financial terms have failed. So that was our one big enabler. People were very, very connected to it. But almost everything else, uh, Terry, was a blocker. Almost everything else was, uh, was making it more difficult. So the second thing we did 
was say, okay, how do we turn that on its head? How do we turn some of those blockers into enablers? So uh, one observation, I'm just going to give you one because I'm mindful of how much time we've got today. <laughs> but, you know, I can't give you the whole five years, but, you know, two things, two observations I would make. One is that, you know, the culture was very, very inward looking, very focused. It thought all the answers were inside of the organisation, as opposed to looking outside and saying, how can we learn from others? What other best practice? What other organizations are further along this journey than we are? And so we took every single observation about our culture and turned it on its head to make it into a positive. If we're introverted and inward looking, we need to be outward looking. If we don't think that people, if, if people aren't living the values, we need to challenge people. We need to celebrate the people who are and challenge them. And that's my second point. My second point is, you know, the values didn't resonate they, with people and they weren't the values of the organisation because they had not been created by our people. So actually what we did was run a whole series of focus groups. We got the whole organisation involved. We created a set of organisational values which had been in place since 2017. And when we did a check-in uh, last year in the midst of the pandemic and we said, do we think these values still hold true? Everyone said, yes, they absolutely are the values of this business. But the reason is because there are values. They're values that we, the people of the FSCS, uh, created. So you have to start somewhere. I want uh, people to be not passively engaged. So you can be proud to work for an organization, but I want people to be excited about working for the organization. And that creating excitement in your culture requires you to really engage with your people to define what you want the culture to be. That's absolutely fascinating. So that, that, that mammoth task, you know, the, the reason we connected very early on was actually me looking at culture for SHL. Um, and that's exactly where I was coming at it, which is just feels mammoth. And to bring that down and get that into any sort of um, business case or or a way of getting a leadership team to buy into the need for it um, sometimes stops us actually going for it. And then sometimes the bits we do is very small steps, which are the wrong steps, like just creating values and putting it as a program and putting them on the wall and hoping that's enough to, to change things, right? Which is the old fashioned way of doing it from a, from a HR perspective. And I think the other thing that I found fascinating starting the journey we've even started on is helping the board, your CEO leadership team understand what it is because an, an outcome from a business perspective and a commercial perspective they can buy into but at the moment when we're creating it and understanding it we don't know what it is but yet we're trying to put investment towards it and that was quite a very different way of having to sell to a board and a, and a leadership team so when you think about business cases what advice would you give the HR people listening to this this uh, podcast around that business case I think, and Terry, you know, that's that's such a good, you know, we've talked about this a lot. That that yeah. is that is the challenge is that you know that I think the first thing in building the business case is being absolutely clear that it is a journey, that it is not. This is not something. You know, you asked me earlier. You said, you know, you've been on a journey for five years. Well, I've actually been at. I would have been at the scheme nine years in March, the longest I've ever worked for one organisation. And, you know, the recognition 
is that it is a journey. It is not fixed in a year. It is not fixed in 18 months. It is something that you have to, you are building, there are building blocks on to take you to a particular destination. So firstly, I think it's really important that you get your board and executive team and your CEO to understand, you know, having an award-winning, a high-performing culture, a high-trust culture, all of those things, the things that you have defined that you want to achieve will not happen in a single performance year. They will probably happen over the life, you know, if you're doing really well, you know, they'll happen over the life, you know, maybe of two strategies, you know, in the course of the time that I've been at the FACS, you know, this will be the third people strategy that I'll be authoring and our third organizational strategy during the course of that period. Uh, that's my first tip. The second observation, I think, is how culture ultimately impacts the bottom line. Now, I work for a not-for-profit organization, so it's a different, uh, it's a slightly different me message, but, you know, clearly for us, there is a direct correlation between the culture of the organization, which drives the employee experience, which drives the level of employee engagement and excitement in what we're doing, and the performance that we have as an organization, and ultimately, therefore, the experience of our customers. So, you know, we have a strategic objective that says we want to deliver outstanding customer experience. And last June, uh, for the first time, our customer experience uh, reached 89%, the highest it's ever right. been against yeah. a backdrop of the highest ever claims volumes. What you need to get your boards and executives to see is the golden thread that connects all of those things. You know, I could draw a virtuous circle back from that organizational performance that says that is directly linked to a culture where we hold people to account, we work collaboratively, we are a reflection first organization, we have built a high trust culture, we trust people to get on with things. There's a direct correlation between all of those things. And actually, funnily enough, in December, one of the conversations I was having with our board was the board said, we should talk about this more. We should talk about the correlation between your people metrics, the thing that you're measuring, and our organizational performance, how changing the culture enables us to deliver our best ever performance. Fantastic, isn't it? And, and actually, what I really enjoyed about that is people on the call won't know but you just literally talked about your culture and the statements of your culture and they just came flowing out how many times have you spoken to people where they've tried to refer to a value or a value and can't even remember the third or fourth or whatever they just they're so embedded in everything you do and every and how you think it's actually um, a pleasure to sort of to hear that now now what's interesting is I imagine people on the call will be going well that's fine because you're the um, CPO right so you're going to say this is great um, but if I was to go and interview some of your employees on the ground, how would you say that they've seen a change and what are they seeing different? Uh, that's that's a great question. And, um, you know, Terry, from our conversations that, you know, I'm also a bit of a data geek. and I've got lots of data points um, yeah. <laughs> around, uh, you know, the lived um, employee experience. Um, you know, we, our ENPS, our engagement NPS score is uh, 67. Our overall organisational 
engagement is uh, 88% and 91% of our colleagues say that the FSS is a caring and inclusive um, employer and 87% are excited about where we're going. So we've got some great numbers, you know, so I could just say that, what, but I'm not obviously. <laughs> what, I think, what I think has really um, changed is that we've always had, we've really got, you, you were saying there, you know, it's so, when I hear you talk, it's very, you talk about the, the culture of the organization uh, so easily. And there's two things that I think that that unlocks. I think that everybody in the FS, uh, so it's not just me. So I think if you did go and speak to people on the front line, uh, everyone can articulate our strategic outcomes. Um, we have a, a strategy built around uh, four uh, pillars, uh, prepare, protect, promote and prevent. Everyone can tell you what the, the fees are, everyone understands it. And we asked a specific question. So actually when we launched the current strategy in 2018-19, one of our big cultural objectives was to say, I want every single person in the organization to understand how they contribute to our organization. And it's a question we ask in our people survey and 90% of people say, yes, I completely understand how my role is linked to the delivery of those really high level strategic outcomes. The second thing is, I think that people would say is different, is we have a really articulated and um, defined employee value proposition, which again is a really simple message. Uh, we say this is an organization that makes a difference and in which you can make a difference. And um, everyone gets it. And I think that's the thing that I think people would say is, is different. I think there is a very um, collaborative um, uh, feel to the organization. I, we are less siloed, we're less hierarchical. But the way in which you achieve that culturally is you just have to get everybody to understand that those two things really what am i doing what's my contribution and then what's my team's contribution and what's the thing that we're trying to achieve but also really knowing every day i'm coming to work to make a difference such a powerful message and i think for me that's the thing that's really changed in the organization i said earlier terry this thing about passive versus active engagement you know people have always been proud to work for the fscs always now i think people are genuinely excited to make a contribution because they understand what their personal contribution is and i love that right because you know we talked about the psychological contract and what that means and it's different for every single person but the fact that that frame is there and the way that you've driven it through the organization means that that everybody can bring their personal best to work and feel successful and feel even prouder from working there. But also, what I also love, and all the HR people listening in, is that what David shows really well is stats also track and show the business cases that we put in and the difference that that makes commercially to us as, to us as an organisation. I think sometimes we forget the follow through, the return on investment that has it worked and those sorts of things. And I think by keep refreshing, keep learning, keep refreshing through your five-year journey has been really fascinating. Now, I know that um, we've run out of time because we've um, come to a sort of time end, but I wanted to say a really big thank you to you for joining me, but also uh, just to embarrass you, and the end of the podcast as well, 
uh, to say well done on your um, HR Professor of the Year Award for 2021 as well. So congratulations for that. Thank um, you, Terry. Is there any last comments, call to actions that you would like to give um, our listeners? Um, uh, two really brief, briefly, because I know we're mindful of time. So one is you're absolutely right about the data. You know, if you want to build a business case, you've got to track it. And here's a really great statistic as we're talking about culture. In 2013, 43% of colleagues at FSS described their culture as a healthy and happy one. And that number today is 87%. Wow. So it's doubled uh, yeah. in that time. Um, and the second thing is, um, reiterate the point I made earlier, it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think that really starting somewhere, you know, starting the first question you need to ask is, you know, what are the things, those two questions, I think, what's really good in the culture? What's helping us to get things done? What is the stuff that we think if we change it will make a difference? And the people who know that are your people. So engage, listen, act. Thank you so much. And I think those stats are, are amazing. And I think what it does show you is you've also got to be quite tenacious to keep going at it, right, as well. Because, I had a full um, head of hair once, Terry. <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> so uh, thank you very much, David. Um, and then for all the listeners, just remember that you can subscribe on fhl.com for any of the podcasts and any further podcasts on other topics as well. Um, and I just end with thank you, David, and look forward to the next time we have a chat. Right back at you, Terry. Thank you. Thanks for listening to SHL's CHRO Chat Podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.